how good is that new stinger? Welcome to Should It Backed It, our weekly look backwards, forwards, and everything in between. My name's Jonathan Corbett. I'm your host. Just before I get to our guest, a quick reminder that we have two methods you can get in touch with the show at the moment. Twitter and email, both details are in the show notes, so give us a look there. Any input, anyone you want to hear from, any guests, KBJ, that's your shout out, and uh, let us know what topics you want us to get into. So we'll get, we'll get into our guests. We'll start with Chris Venuccio of Herald Sun fame. Chris, how are you? Hello, John. Looking forward to two guineas this weekend, and it feels like a, a fresh start with that new stinger you've provided. I agree with you there. Philip Georgios, our punting expert. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, mate. Yeah, as, as Big V said, huge week of racing coming up. Can't, very much looking forward to it. All right, we'll start where we always start with should have backed it and should have sacked it. Chris, I'll go to you first. How was your, uh, what was your take on last weekend? Well, I'm going to go to the same race for my should have backed it and should have sacked it, the Oakley Plate, and my should have backed it is Uncommon James. I shouldn't have dropped off him after the Rupertan. He was always going to improve off that run, and he had that tactical edge over Lofty Strike. So still still something that I've got to just get better with, just not dropping off them when they don't get the money the first time round. And my should have sacked it is Chain of Lightning. Always beware of the unlucky runner, which he was in the, the Rubiton Stakes. Second up at 1,100 again was, wasn't the smart move for a horse whose best form is over the 1,400. Phil, how do you look uh, back on last weekend on this front? Yeah, I should have backed it. I'm just going to go to a pretty obvious one, but the Chibi Norton. I think a couple of weeks ago I uh, mentioned that I needed to find a way to back Animo and... Once again, I couldn't. A dollar sixty wasn't particularly appealing, but that horse now has become extremely dominant, and it's winning like a dominant horse. It's kind of you know circling them like winks and putting them away. Whereas in the past, you know, it would flash home and just get the job done. So it's become that that kind of horse that you can really rely on and, and a true sort of commanding um, athlete. So he'll be my should have backed it, and I won't be missing out on Animo again moving forward. Uh, last week, actually, speaking of feedback, uh, Corbs, I was actually uh, told over, over over the week that I was a little bit emotional during my should have sacked it last week. So I'm just going to make sure that I keep myself in check for this one. But my should have sacked it was in the Blue Diamond and it was Steel City. It was actually one of my best bets of the day. And not sure why I'm making two-year-old maidens uh, in my best, uh, particularly in big races like the Blue Diamond, where they have to go around the Melbourne way the first time. So, look, Steel City, very unlucky in running, and I'm sure had all the excuses in the book and still looking for a run. But, you know, it was a tough Blue Diamond to pick, I think, and those who did get the job done, congrats. But I probably should have just left that as a watch race. Yeah, I think I, see, I can see a few tears in your eyes there. It was a tough <laughs> Yeah, one. I hope I sounded okay. Now, uh, that's a good place to start with our look back. So the Blue Diamond, the Hayes boys, there was a bit of confusion about whether it's their first Group 1 together or not. We'll we'll steer clear of that one, Chris. But uh, how did you see the Blue Diamond? Yeah, no confusion on my part. That was their second Group 1 win. (laughs) And I I just thought with with that Blue Diamond, there was a lot of hard luck runs and little bros just stayed out of trouble in the right spot. And he he was the one that was... He was there to finish off, and there was a, you know, as I mentioned, a few horses unlucky. Still, City, which Bill had a had a stack on, as well as Don Colione. Even the third horse, Arkansas Kid. You could, if you watch the replay, you could see that 
you know, you're just losing a little bit of momentum in the straight. So he could have finished closer as well. But, you know, all honours goes to, you know, the horse that just stayed out of trouble, and that was Little Bros. And staying out of trouble, Big V, is half the battle when it comes to uh, two-year-old racing. And, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, last week we talked about the benefits of Sandown um, compared to Caulfield, perhaps from a punting perspective. And, you know, that race did not bear that out. It was definitely a story of hard luck. But I think that's the half the battle, as I said. And these two-year-olds actually performed well. It was actually a high-rating blue diamond. It was run at a very fast tempo. So I think... I think there might be a bit of flatness to come out of this race. So any horses that are going to go towards a golden slipper, I'm, I'm going to be very cautious about them. And, and just on just the last point with Steel City, uh, Barrier 5, I was a bit surprised that you know, he, was set, he, he was positioned on the rail behind the leader that might have been suspect at the 1,200 as well. Last race of the day was the uh, the scamper. Well, it's normally a scamper around Caulfield. It did look a bit different on uh, on on the Sandown track, but the Oakley Plate, Uncommon James, the Queenslander, got the chocolates. Uh, Phil, what do you think? I was pretty happy with that one, Corbs, because I actually stuck with Uncommon James, unlike Big V, and and got the chocolates there. So a great way to end the day, and I know we'll talk about that in a little while, but. Uh, Interesting with the uh, different uh, finishing post too. I did get a bit of a heart flutter when it <laughs> crossed the line twice uh, in front. But, um, yeah, no, the old uh, very happy with that win. I, I didn't want to jump off it after its last run. I mean, it's a very consistent horse. I think it's only finished um, first or second in its career. Lofty Strike obviously got the, the better of it last start, but I think with the weight swing and obviously the grand final for it, it was a good bet at around the 8 or $9 mark. So I was happy to get on Uncommon James. And that ended up being the Quinella as well, that that previous uh, uh, two horses that crossed the line together last start. Uh, now, the next uh, big V, we've got to talk about the weight for age races. Yeah, we had Animo winning and then down in Melbourne in, in the Futurity Alligator Blood, which is starting to build a pretty impressive um, weight for age record. Alligator Blood obviously now is the horse to beat for the All-Star Mile. And I'm not just saying that because he, he's the favourite now and he won the Futurity, but you just know what you're going to get with him. He puts himself in the race, he either leads or he's going to be behind the leader and it's up to the opposition to run him down. Whereas I'm thunderstruck. I'm just a bit torn now whether I, I stick with him or do I jump off because it, at the moment it looks like he just needs the race run to suit. He can't be too close in the run. He can't get too far back. But maybe in the All-Star Mile, in the 15-horse field, he can position just off midfield. But I thought Mr. Brightside was the better run than I'm Thunderstruck as well. So I think those three are the ones for the All-Star Mile. It's just, it will come down to barriers and where they might well likely settle because, you know, Alligator Blood is going to be the one they've got to catch. And it's whether I'm Thunderstruck and Mr. Brightside draws a good gate to just be close enough. And they'll, they'll get plenty of pressure in the All-Star Mile, though, Big V, I think. I think that'll be the difference. I, we had a small field, and I, the money certainly came for Alligator Blood. And, yeah, I think a, a few of us might have followed that in. But I think in, a, in an All-Star Mile up to 1,600, which is clearly a better go for horses like um, Thunderstruck, and a bit more pressure up front, might allow those types of horses or I'm Thunderstruck to get uh, into the race a bit better than it did on the weekend. So I wouldn't completely discount that if you are a fan. All right. Now, the last point I wanted to uh, check in on, we had a couple of uh, 
big name horses get their colours lowered. So, Phil, I might just get a comment from you here. In secret, the uh, Godolphin filly, uh, beaten but not disgraced. And then we also had the Magic Millions winner. This is a bit of a uh, low-key race, but Magic Millions two-year-old winner, Skirt the Law, sorry, Skirt the Law, went round in uh, one of the two-year-old races on the weekend and had her colours lowered as well. So what did you uh, what did you see or not see there? Oh, I might leave Big Vita comment on the two-year-old race. He's probably better equipped for that. But for In Secret, I've, I've had a few conversations with people over the last few days around whether that was a, a hard watch or not. But I just don't think – I just think it lost momentum in the straight there. Got stuck in behind, a little bit like Steel City, but was able to find that gap and had its chance to win in the end. But – I'm happy to forgive that run, to be honest. I, I think that momentum that it lost and the fact that it has to sort of try to veer out then come back inside, you don't see many horses do that successfully. Uh, and I reckon it can probably turn the tables uh, next time they, they, they run in secret. So, yeah, it wasn't wasn't shattered. But, you know, when you're running around at $2, you, you want to see better, I suppose. Chris, uh, is there still a chance in secret might run in the new market? Yeah, it's still a possibility. I think she'll need a big leap in the new market to beat a horse like I Wish I Win. I thought it was she'll improve off that run. It was a bunch finish, so I don't think there's um I don't think it's going to be an overly strong form race if they're going you know against older horses. Maybe if they're running against each other again, you might be able to, or in, against you know similar opposition, you might be able to you know find a Zoo Gotcha or an In Secret again. But I'm just a bit wary of that form going into a new market. What you will get if you are an In Secret fan is better odds into the new market if you want to follow it in. So keep an eye out on that. You often get good odds in the new market anyway, but that's something always to think about. So we'll go to now to the issues of the week. Keen to get your thoughts, boys, on... I mean, it was obviously an unusual meeting Oakley Plate, Blue Diamond being, being at Sandown, but given that it was there, they put all three Group 1s as the last three races on the card. Did you think that worked? Did you guys like that? I'm not a fan of having a Group 1 as the last race. I mean, if you're going to the track and you wanted to watch the Group 1s and and leave early, it's not ideal when you got it at 5.40 and plus 40-minute gaps. So that's another debate as well, you know, the gap between the second last and the last race. But I can see that the majority of people are watching on TV or at that, or they're at the pubs that I probably don't care if it's the last race at all. It's just It's just whether you want to go down to the track, and there was only about six to 7,000 as well. So it's more of a, a principal thing for me not having the Group 1 as the last race. If you have another race, it's sort of like a bit of a, a deep breath as well. I know it didn't work a couple of springs ago when we had the features as the last race, like the Caulfield Cup and Cox Plate. So I prefer not to have the feature race of the day as the last race. It's a vibe, isn't it, Big V? And I think it, it it matters whether you back the winner in the last race, I think, Corbs, because if you don't need to get out and you've had a nice win, as I did on the weekend, you can just run off and uh, enjoy your weekend. But uh, I, look, I did like it, but I don't like it being a group one. So I think you could have a, a significant race in that last slot. But the fact that it was the Oakley Plate and that was kind of done after that kind of did leave you thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind just a, another race to, to finish off the day. My little gripe for the weekend was uh, the coverage. So I was watching on, on Channel 7, and at 5 o'clock, which is when the futurity started, they just swing to a to, you know, to, to the news or another program, 
and there was literally 30 seconds before the race kicked off. So you're sitting there, suddenly you're watching the news and you're like, what have I got to do here? And you're, you're swinging channels. So I think they just might want to just uh, smooth that out, I think, if you're trying to attract and keep people watching the races on a Saturday. Yeah, I think border security is a pretty good, um, good rate, <laughs> TV rate as well. So you, you can tell Bruce hates it, though. I heard him. I heard him had to stop a couple of uh, trackside interviews uh, to to uh, tell his guests that he needed to flag that Western Australians needed to move from Channel Seven Two to Channel Seven One. And... All right, we'll go to the last topic. Uh, I'll throw to you for this one, Chris, um, because it is uh, got next week's racing action in mind, and we're about to go there. So. Uh, We've got two races, both for Group 1 stakes, both with the word guineas in their title with similar-ish prize money and basically identical conditions. What do you think of that? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very keen to get your thoughts on it. I know you've got a very strong opinion about it. A couple of years ago, I would have ranted and raved about it as well, but I don't, I don't mind it because I think the Australian guineas always attracts a big field and, and the top Sydney horses tend to stay in Sydney anyway for the Randwick Guineas. So they're not coming down for the Australian Guineas, even if the race was a week or two earlier. And although it, if you had them on two separate days, it might allow for the Melbourne horses to go up for the Randwick Guineas. You probably only get one or two anyway. So I think it's great that we've got two big betting races this weekend. And I think just the, the the main irritation is the number of dual acceptances that you'll get. There was five all up, but thankfully there's only one horse where the connections have to make a decision. So that's that's the only gripe if you're getting a lot of dual acceptances and connections taking their time making a decision and stifling the betting. Yeah, for mine it's just obviously tricky. We're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, events now on the calendar. And without trying to pick sides or blame particular states for it, where you've got pretty identical races going on simultaneously in two states, uh, two jurisdictions, and that does complicate things. Um, there's no doubt if you're a stallion or a, a broodmare, potential broodmare, you, you, win, winning one of these guineas races is a good thing on your CV. But uh, then again, if they're on the same day, I guess that gives you more of a chance to win one. I do remember Machine winning both guineas races relatively recently, and uh, you can't do that if they're on the same day. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, well, while we're here, we'll, we'll go ahead to uh, next Saturday. So we've got we've had the acceptances now. Uh, so both those guineas races, we've also got the Canterbury Stakes, the Blamey Stakes, the Challenge Stakes, and some two-year-old races across Flemington and Randwick. Chris, I might give you the floor. What's your uh, race of the week? I think it'll be the Australian Guineas, and just to see how Jack and I goes at the 1600. He's been firming since Osipenko was taken out, and I think he's pretty tight now because he's this is his first attempt at the mile. So, you know, if, he'll have to draw out a little, he'll have to come out a little bit for me to get involved in backing him. But I just, on talent, he should be too good if he can run out the distance, but he is drawn awkwardly. Be interesting to interesting to see how the the Kiwi goes legato. They don't have a great record in the Australian Guineas, and this is a filly as well. So, uh, be um, she might be a bit of a, the X factor, but I think she might have had a, a couple of grand finals already. So, I think if it's not Jack and I, will be one of the locals beating him. All right, Phil, you've seen the rest of the uh, the two cards. You got something that jumps out at you. I just wanted to start with just disagreeing with Big V there. I actually reckon Legato <laughs> at uh, 10 bucks is probably the best bet of the race. So, obviously, you know, backing a winner 
is great. And at $2.30, I think Jack and O is a bit tight, as Big B said. But they do have a good history of coming over here and getting the job done, the Kiwi. So I'm happy to go with Legato at 10 bucks. So that's just my first point. But uh, over in Sydney, Narandwick Guineas, I'm a uh, slightly different strategy. I think I'm pretty happy to stick with App Cabin. Uh, we talked about last week that it was a bit unlucky last start. And I think this will be uh, his redemption. Uh, in the blamey, uh, I reckon Uncle Burn getting to 1,600 metres is worth a watch. I think you've probably found this level just beyond him last prep, but at $11, again, happy to have a little bit of a sneaky each-way bet on Uncle Burn getting up to its preferred distance. And in the challenge, I, I love Eduardo first up over 1,000, so I know it's got some uh, pretty uh, in, um, good competition with Giga Kick, the uh, Everest winner, but 5 bucks. Uh, for Eduardo does appeal at this early stage. I'll be uh, keeping a close eye on remarks odds in that race. Uh, I didn't realise Eduardo's a nine-year-old, by the way, but uh, all, all power to him. Uh, Chris, do you like the look of uh, Golden Mile in the Canterbury or Artorias or anything like that? Actually, I think the the New Zealand horse looks pretty good for that. Imperatrice? I didn't like the, the look of Golden Mile's trial the other week. I and mean, You know, sometimes they... Trial forms different to race day four, but I think the, the the New Zealand horse looks pretty exciting. All right. Well, we'll go to the final furlong. Uh, this week's question is, which horse currently running around would you love to take overseas this year? Phil, we'll start with you. Well, it was a dollar oh one, and probably the most obvious, but Animo, best horse in Australia. Uh, I'd love to see him get over and take on the world's best Um Somewhere overseas, um, we've seen some good success from Australian horses in the past. So, yeah, I think that's the obvious one, and um, we want to take our best and show our best when we when we head them, take them overseas and get the job done. Chris, you got one for us? I do. It's good to see that Phil gave that a lot of thought picking Animo, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with I wish I win. And I know the horse is not a not a colt, and there's no stud value taking a horse like that over, but. If he wins the new market well, which I think he will, I just think he's got that exceptional straight line speed. I think why not just for the sake of it, take him over, run him down the Royal Ascot straight and see what he can do. Well, the other the other consideration, of course, if you're the owner of, of something like I Wish I Win, the chance, you're not, you're not going to get too many horses in your lifetime that you can actually take to Ascot. So it'd be pretty tempting, wouldn't it, to get the old top hat and tails out and... Uh, and go over and 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 uh, and try your luck. You don't think it should do something in Australia first, Big V, or just send it straight overseas? Well, it's uh, it's only won a Golden Eagle, has it? And then if it wins the New Market, that's a, a Group One. I mean, I doubt that they go. They'll go anyway because they'd be looking at the Everest. And I think if you go to Royal Ascot, it might, you know, it will affect the the campaign when you come back. So, you know, maybe if it wins the Everest as well this year, then you can look at it next year. Boys, excellent show once again. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to give us your feedback, listeners. We are getting it anecdotally. Let's uh, let's hear a bit more and uh, rate, review, do all of that stuff. Uh, now, Phil, next week there's a scheduling twe- tweak, isn't there? Yeah, we're going to record the show one day later, so on the Thursday night, and get it out to you guys on the Friday. That'll have a couple of advantages for everyone. We'll be a loop one day closer to the the Saturday meeting, the big new market meeting, but we'll also be able to fill you in 
on a couple of those other meetings that are happening over that long weekend, including in Adelaide. So, yep, uh, just wait that extra day and you'll uh, get a podcast drop and uh, hopefully enjoy it. Make sure you subscribe, listeners, and we'll, uh, you'll find it eventually. All right, gents, all the best. I look forward to the weekend's racing and we'll chat next week. Good luck on the punt. 